Horrific Network Entertainment. This is Jimmy, another episode of Haunt Season, and the first episode of Unmasking the Horror coverage at HHN 31. Today's episode is going to cover the Blumhouse maze and the Descendants of Destruction. Again, what an event HHN 31 truly was. Um... Unbelievable, to say the least. I said it was the best one I think I've ever been to. I've continued to do that, even in visiting other haunts and everything else. So, let's get into it and see, uh, you know, what the haunt season brings moving forward. Still bunch of stuff to do to cover but hunt season man what a what a day what a what a year what a what a thing um if you've never done the unmasking the horror tour i cannot recommend this enough as it allows you to really get an insight on the mazes that you're not going to get anywhere else allows you to take pictures that you're not supposed to do at any other time and you're going to get aspects to the story that you probably wouldn't get anywhere else either. Um, things that you would see in those mazes that you are you know, really not going to get anywhere else. So here we are. The Blumhouse of Horror, man. The Black Phone Freaky. When this maze was announced... It was uh, a mixed reaction, to say the least. But I will say that, and I say this on both podcasts, very much surprised by Blumhouse this year. Uh, It was by far the scariest IP maze in Orlando. Set design, mm, not as good as it could have been. But at the same time, not a whole lot to work with either. Uh, Freaky was set design was pretty spot on. Black phone, I mean, you're working with a, a basement the whole time, so makes it a little bit rougher. Anyway, man, this uh, this will take you through the maze, give you a little bit of a background, give you a little bit of uh, insider tips, tricks what to look at when you go into the mix. Make that visual within the actual haunted house. We decided to use a Pepper's Ghost Theory, although instead of making kind of something uh, appear, we're making or disappear. So when we get into this next scene, we're going to not only uh, be able to see the Millie Kessler part of it, 
essentially we've got the peperscopes where you have the mirror at a 45 degree angle and then we're able to use lighting effects and the sheet completely disappears and it turns into the butcher. And that is essentially the way we're trying to show that their body swap. Later on in the house we use a solution projection onto the wall to simulate when they actually switch bodies back. Um, again, if any Kevin the Woods fans, we've got a little picture of my daughter there um, from the Zavage Land. And we used to have a legendary truth, a uh, little sticker over here, but that's why we can't have nice things. We love sticky fingers and we're walking through. We'll notice a few things of that as we go throughout the different houses today. But again, it is a little squishy in this particular house.
Friday the 13th, which I believe was the initial day they wanted for the movie, but I'm, I feel like one of those brushes didn't want to give us the right, so I don't know which particular uh, portion might not want to do that. But it's where you're going to have the serial killer, uh, the butcher, switching bodies with the little Kessler, thereby making him a wolf in sheep's clothing, and right there, Freddy and able to murder all of his lovely teenage victims in this night. See a lot. So we've got, um, he is going to be, we're going to be walking in through the very first scene of the movie where you have four kids kind of giving your exposition of the butcher, of kind of the way he wants to go. And it's a couple days before Friday the 13th, because this is going to be also They're going to, at the end, he steals a dagger known as Lugola, which means and then when he tries to get his next victim, our main character, Kessler, it's going to have them body swap at midnight. And the rest of the movie, she's going to be trying to get back into her own body. With that, it's gone. It's uh, the Butcher and Catherine Newton as Millie, who I just think a very fabulous job. It's really fun because unlike in most horror movies, you actually they actually know what the Butcher looks like. So she's got to try and stay incognito while also trying to find herself in such bodies. So that's why in the very beginning of the movie, he goes in and he actually grabs a mask off the wall, and that's what he's kind of using for bits and parts. That's why in our house, we're going to be using the mask, usually when we see the butcher as himself. And when we first walk in, you're going to notice the mask is missing from the wall. Now, we had about four deaths in the very first in the movie. We had to pick two. Uh, so we kind of pick the top two. When we go through, we're going to see our victim of the spear, and then uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, it just looks exactly like it. It's not actually him, but uh, there are one of So just kind of setting up because it is a little squishy when we first get in there. I'm going to have to go kind of around the corner, but just so you know kind of where we're heading in as we go in. And again, uh, we have to go through that key line. So we're going to come in here and just hang tight behind the curtain just a second. Legendary Truth, a uh, little sticker over here, but that's why we can't have nice 
and she kind of resets and then as they're coming in she can kind of slowly even push his head together so that he slowly starts coming apart and then use that water effect at the same time and it's super effective. Um, again, this is a paragraph I do believe is based on Jack Torrance from The Shining. He's got a similar kind of wardrobe. He yells at her in a similar sort of way. And there's just a few different nods behind his desk in the actual movie. Um, and it is uh, one of my favorite particular death scenes in the movie because it's right when the butcher really realizes like, oh, I'm in the body of a teenage girl. Like this is gonna be a little bit more difficult than my huge Vince Vaughn body, right? <laughs> Um, now, also, when we go by here, we're going to have that drop-down window. If anyone's been able to see that effect, that's always great. Drop-down window is going to reveal something awesome, either a character or a lot of times this year, we're using a lot of static figures behind our drop doors, and it's going to make a huge, loud sound. And so even if you don't see what's behind it, it's going to scare you a lot of the times as well. So it's kind of like a, the ability to get a double scare. Um, I don't know any high school that had a cryogenic freezer. Mine obviously <laughs> didn't, uh, but way to go them for having that uh, particular awesome death scene in a movie. I didn't also think that they had TVs in school. I thought that was an actual thing that was just in Saved by the Bell or whatever. So I moved to Florida and then realized, wait, what? That's real? I thought you guys were kidding. Um, again, I'm going to step out of the way so you guys can take some photos of our dear Mr. Bernardi here. that again is just right on that wall. chainsaw here again, referencing kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Our Millie will be coming out with her saw and she has her little Yukon right over here that she can kind of stick into him and it's going to spray out towards all of you guys that are able to watch that. As we go over here, we have another fabulous hair where I just love, she can actually, all of our high school boys she's getting because once the prom is actually uh, unable to have anything happen because of all the murders happening, um, Butcher in the Millie's body actually has them come all the way back to the old mill. So we're now in that initial room where she woke up as the Butcher. They're back at the old mill. And this is actually a character can come and reach out with their hook arm, similar to 
I know what you did last summer for Candyman, uh, and be able to come out with that and slice our boy up here. Sorry guys, shouldn't have been doing what you're doing. <laughs> display again it's going to be a projection of our other transition where they are transitioning their bodies back really love this one don't fear the butcher again don't fear the reaper's been used but it started in halloween where they were listening to it in the car they used it in scream which is another kind of mob very tongue-in-cheek poking fun at lots of different horror movies at the same time so of course they have to reference it for creepy because they're very much doing that this, at the same time. You can also see again, we're going through the entire keyboard still. Fast and Furious, now we actually start hearing it, which is why we do close the ride during the event. Even though some of our rides are open, this one is closed. This is going to be another scrim after you go through the little walkway here of another Ladola that is lighting up. You're going to be hearing the chanting. And lastly, this is my favorite part because I always, even though I've been here a hundred times so far, want to go right. But thank goodness there is one last butcher right on the way out trying to scare you out of the house. Otherwise, I guarantee you every single Joe Hill, which if we don't know, that is actually the son of Stephen King. 
and he looks on just a spitting image of Stephen King. It's actually uncanny if you see any of his um, interviews. Now, initially, the story was based on a very large uh, clown figure, actually. But because the more recent reiteration of Stephen King's in Part 2 came out, they were like, how about we change him into a magician? So our, our uh, villain in this is a magician known as The Grabber, played by Ethan Hawke. Um, this is directed by Christopher Landon, who I was astounded to find out is Michael Landon's son. If you really? remember this little house on the prairie, really? it's actually his son, which I was shocked by, just because his dad is on the little house on the prairie. So I mean, um, now when we go in, essentially uh, he expanded upon Joe Hill's story using his own traumatic childhood experiences. In fact, in the book, uh, Finney, our most recent. Uh, abductee of the grabber, he uh, kidnaps young boys and tries to get them to play games with him, um, to put it nicely. Uh, but in the book, he's only actually put out a supernatural uh, method as well, where there's a black phone where the past victims are actually able to contact Finney, and in a roundabout way, they end up helping him to escape by the end of it. Uh, in the book, he's only actually talking to one victim. Uh, but our director, he added again in his own childhood friends and things like that to kind of make it a little bit more people. Uh, so the other victims, they each had a great idea, but that idea alone was unable to get them out, and unfortunately they were a victim of the grabber. But meanwhile, as we go through the house, Finney is able to use all of their different ideas and kind of put them all together and be able to escape. So it's kind of like an escape room and the kidnapping movie all in one. Um, as we go through, there are going to be pictures of missing persons. These are actually uh, childhood photos of our art and design department. They are not the kids from the movies. But the names and everything else on there are from the movies, but the photos are not. That might be why Bruce Yamada does not quite look like his last name would be Yamada. Um, it will be no photos in this first little hallway, and uh, it, it is, again, a little bit squishy, so uh, as we walk through, I'll be trying to show you guys, or tell you guys, as we kind of keep continuing to walk through until we get into a nice big room where we can take some photos. Can we put photos of the van or no? No, no photos in the van, yes. Uh, the way the grabber lures his victims is actually from this van that we're going to be passing up here, and he has
you're walking down that hallway and you see a big round red button, <laughs> press it at your own. <laughs> Alright, you are able to take photos in here. I'm just going to give a quick little rundown and get out of here so you can get some cool photos. <laughs> so, uh, our director, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Rick Derringer directed this one. Uh, Christopher Landon directed Freaky. Sorry. Uh, Rick Derringer also directed Insidious, which I believe that this uh, line on the basement wall down here is kind of for that cover of Insidious, if you guys have ever seen that one. Um, here we've got his eggs. and in uh, We actually have this house in Hollywood as well, but in Hollywood you're actually staying in the basement for the entirety of the house. In this one, we're going to be going up the stairs, which are half stairs right here behind you guys, um, into the kitchen, through the house a little bit before we descend back down into the basement for the finale scene of the movie. So when Finney gets abducted, he is kept in this room inside the basement. Again, he's using this black phone, which I love it. It is actually totally works. He has six black phones. Uh, because as we know things and as we walk through you'll see that some of this is the most pristine one I believe still. Anyone that's behind where a character is is probably going to be the nicest one because it's also here. So that means the character can't use it and break it either. So this is probably going to be the one that lives the longest throughout the entirety. Um, but we've got our, uh, this is one of our forms of escape he does try to get at one point. And as you can see, all the slats are still making you believe that we're inside a building. But we always want to try and use open air at the top because fire, right? So generally, we will try not to enclose a room because if we enclose a room, it's actually incredibly more expensive. We have to add extra particular fire this, and we've got some examples of that later I'll show you guys or come up with fun, interesting ways to incorporate a fire deploy system. Otherwise, we can just have our systems up above, like in the sound stages that are already kind of living there, and we're able to use it that way. Otherwise, we always try to have that open air. So anytime you're actually going through an enclosed room, try and spot those little round black discs. That's going to be what pops down and becomes the fire station. So I'll hop out of the way so you guys get some photos.
brother comes out from behind him and axes him right in the head. Okay. Which means we're going to have our grabber come right out there with an axe. He's already one axe, you guys. The head, he's already done his job. We have one more of our platforms, which, if you notice, the receiver is missing. Because, that's actually on purpose. No, because of the movie. Because in the movie, one of the clues that he gets from his little friends over the phone is to actually use the receiver and fill it up both ends with dirt and be able to use it to attack back at the grabber. He also takes the phone cord in order to help him strangle him, which we're going to see in this last scene coming up. One thing I'd like to mention, because again, we did uh, go out in between our two houses to come here. We've done that one year, before, uh, another year before in our vampire house, where we actually we went through kind of next to Delancey Street where we have uh, those buildings into and throughout Sting Alley and going to where we now have the Starbucks and the ice cream and all of that building as well, which was super fun because it was all filled with vampires and you had that alleyway. Sometimes we try to avoid doing that though because of the rain and things like that, but thankfully we haven't had any issues with it this year. But if anyone did get to see Vampire that year, I got to pick up a couple of ships in that house and the Sting Alley stairs are close to H.H. Nightmares playlist here because the other maze that we're talking about on this one is Descendants of Destruction and this maze was interesting you know I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a sequel to Seeds of Destruction from a few years ago I guess it's kind of like a pseudo sequel to that not a direct one um, where the plants overtook the earth this one there definitely is like overgrown stuff and everything, but this definitely seems more Mad Maxi. And then it it went into the fact that like people are now cannibals, and you went underground. Um, Universal was very high on the fact that this was like the first maze that went underground. Um, you saw like ultraviolet lights that depicted going underground for the first time they were really amped up on that concept and the maze was dope man like 
there are two scenes in this maze that really stood out to me. One being when the track or the train it like looks like it's crashing through the ceiling. Um, there's another scene where you go inside a train. And then, of course, like, when you went underground, there was, like, a scene where you, like, see where they were boring into the earth to get deeper underground. Um, some really cool set design. I never got, like, super scared in this house, where Blumhouse actually legitimately scared me. This one never really came across like that. But it was, um... It was still a really cool maze to go through. I know Rob, you know, kind of came out of it and like, damn, like, both of my favorites are in the same spot because this is where Puppet Theater was last year. And Puppet, Puppet Theater was definitely like a uh, uh, sleeper hit, so to speak. I don't know if I would put this one in that same category. And it was also, I think it also comes when a lot of these mazes, you know, all of them were hits this year. So, harder to rank than last year, for sure. But Descendants of Destruction, definitely. So, we are in the future. This is kind of a cousin to the Seeds of Extinction House, for anyone that's familiar with that house we were just talking about a Anyone remembers a few years back, we had a, a character that 
their entire costume was stuffed animals. And they hid in a big pile of stuffed animals so they could just stand up and then come right at you. So we essentially, this one, it really it looks a lot like seaweed. We've been using them for years, at least since my first year. We had them back in Jurassic Park area, uh, scare zone, which I still to this day maintain Jurassic Park is the best scare zone area. Personally scared people as a fairy for grad bash. I mean, I wasn't even trying, but it just <laughs> uh, So I don't know, hopefully one day we'll be able to do that again, but it's just a universal from now on. And when we come into this short little room here, it is going to be photos down. But it's got some really fun things in it. These batteries. And maybe a spider. Uh, now, we, everyone come on in. We've got tons of space in the one around. Yeah. Oh, how far am I going?
experienced in the past, or even heart uh, things that we have as well. Fungus. Anyone remember that from any particular maybe a ride or attraction we had here in Universal? Work from producer Frank Kincaid and the screenplay by Lonnie Esmail. Uh, if anyone remembers, we used to have the disaster ride or Frank Kincaid was uh, Christopher Walken's character. And one of the movies he worked on was Fungus. It's a um, We also have Shop and Go with a lightning bolt, which is just kind of like an inception Easter egg over here. Uh, Shop and Go is, is an, again, both references to the past mornings. Uh, we have a lightning bolt with Shop and Go. Um, what I love over here, uh, I always say my favorite one for last, this is the second to last, but working with you to create a cleaner universe, and I say at the bottom it says environmental pollution impact corporation. What did the first? Epic! Epic! Yay! Who can't wait for Epic? Not us, I can't wait for Epic. Uh, now we have one all the way down there at the end, and we have one here. Last, this one's my favorite. Manhattan History Museum. So we got traveling exhibits. Emotep, of Egypt. Seen is believing the eighth wonder of the world. History of late night television, kind of like the Tonight Show. And Spirits of the Public Library. Ghostbusters! Yes, indeed. So I love those little nods. Um, I haven't been able to find out yet, but I, I mean, we still do have two of them. But I do believe that maybe those might be the dates we actually lost the rides for the ones that we no longer have. Um, another little details in here, we are, this is actually where our survivors are living. So when you're looking around, you can see, yes, I'm sure they turned to cannibalism, they've got bones, they've got, what is that, Lucille? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's still here. Uh, I, I guess we've got uh, a couple nods left over from the zombie houses in the past. Um, but. Someone used to be Miss New York City, but now she is uh, ravaging for her own. This is going to be all of her stuff over here, if you go there. Meanwhile, the character, if you can tell, where they're going to be, because again, there's another AAT. We got that little bit of the line view as well. So I'm going to give you guys some space in here and grab some photos. I certainly take all the photos in here. And I love also, if you look out those side windows, they even add in an extra subway car through on the other side of those windows, just again, to keep it just completely immersive. Which I just love. If anyone needs me to shine a flashlight on the ad for them, let me know. I know it's That's why I'm like, I'll be over here. What was the house in 2017? Lights off and then the characters. Is that a 
Yeah, yeah. 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 Actual, at one point there were stalls 
where you would go through and essentially, in, especially in psychotherapy, I had a friend, he would sit in the stalls and eat peanut butter, but it didn't look like peanut butter at night. So we would have an actual smell that they made those stalls smell like, like actual feces, and it was awful, <laughs> just so awful. These stalls smelled so bad that every year they used them, they didn't even have to add more of that smell on it, because they just stank forever and ever and ever. So, when I first came in here, and you see all the meat, but then you see this in the corner, his little bathroom over here, I was so worried, I'm like, great, this is gonna be the poo house this year. But instead, it smells like delicious meat, and it looks even more, I'm just starving every time I come into this room. So. For those who, I know that some people cannot stand the smell, but I promise it could be worse. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is again that we come into our, we're definitely hitting that cannibal section. We are not just torturing tiny little bunnies, but we have, uh, I believe, some feet in there as well, little eyeballs, fingers, um, all sorts of anything and everything that the butcher can find to eat, he's going to cook it up and maybe make it teriyaki style. If you notice, we are still in that subway, but he has created by using different slats of wood and metal to kind of create his own home inside of the subway system. In fact, not only does he have his own toilet, but him and his wife are expecting a child. That's Susan. She has a little pink can baby. He has actually created his own little lifestyle here, and that is his wife. Even though half the time, this two double potential characters that could come out at you over here, one of which might be a girl, but instead he's just interested in them because they have live meat that he can eat. Otherwise, he gets all of his love from Susan. He is a committed man. Um, now, he's basically the biggest and baddest, at least for another maybe half a hallway. So we get through. Um, we will have all these lit up at night as well. They've got kind of just lights are going to be coming up underneath. I can't unfortunately get to work. But oh, he's got some to go boxes in case he has some friends. Sure, friends. Oh, that's a fun little touch I haven't seen before. Um, and he has two different actor activated triggers back here, depending on kind of what you'd like to scare me. This is great because he's actually fully in view for everyone to be able to see. But Oh, another cleverly hit move up is we always want to make sure that we have a fun egress, an easy and quick to access egress in case anything were to happen and this character needs to get out. And also because our characters work for 45 minutes and then they have a break for 45 minutes. So they're constantly changing throughout the night. We want to be able to kind of have them seamlessly change so it's not like, oh, hey, you changed, you ready to switch spots? Okay, I'm in here. And that would just ruin it for everyone looking through the room at that particular point, right? So uh, those are a little, again, why we're always having the fun integrated one. I really love this one because it's kind of seamless and it looks like it's actually part of the uh, set piece. Now we're going to keep going. It is still, again, photos down. We want everyone to look up when we turn left. This is another speaker with a Instead, we've got a drop-down scare for tall people like you. 
I would be fine. I'd be like, What's I wouldn't even see that. I'd just keep continuing to walk. But if we walk a little bit past it, look back, you can see we've got cushions down up there for them. They will be have a strap to kind of keep them strapped in. And I've missed that both times. But I was, I was like, it's, that's why we have those scares for tall people like you, right? Um, because sometimes you you're always getting it from the side or from down below. Sure. So we like to. Every once in a while, switch it up and have it from up above. Now, you guys can kind of keep on going through <coughs> here. You are able to take photos in this next room. Um, we do have, oh, I'm sorry. I did want to show you the butcher before, but you can come back afterwards in a second. Um, sadly, it looks like the butcher didn't make it. He actually met his match in one of our underground new mutations. Um, and then, if any of you recognize this body, he was originally used as our well walker. to be for the rest of the time since again the biggest baddest cannibal of them all the butcher has met his end our second butcher today um, and then we come in here we're going to be going into our bioluminescence and all of our new creatures that they have all become sorry I'm trying to find my um, again we like to make things that look like metal out of wood so Again, a lot of our things here are going to be out of wood, especially when we have a nice big set piece. They're trying to blast it to get further down into the ground. One thing, again, all that attention to detail that tends to get missed is you'll notice that right here we still are using kind of some of that battery power. There are light bulbs inside. As we get into the next few rooms, there will not, there will no longer be any light bulbs in there because they have completely run out of all of that as we get further in. Couple little, uh, little, one little bat hiding up here. <laughs> Actually, I believe they is from the hive house. And you can see again, all of these are going to be empty now. We've run out of lights. That is no longer an option. So when we get in oh, here, yeah. is when we start getting our fire luminescence. Oh, it's part of this room. What are you doing there? Uh, now, sadly. It looks like this is broken, but it gives us an ability to come up and see how essentially all these uh, slag tights and slag mites, they're actually going to be foam on the inside, and then they put like a thin layer of cement over and heat it over it, and then actually paint on top of that. So if you go up close, you can see kind of the difference, even though sadly, hopefully, again, these are the types of things that they try and go in and fill up as the event goes on. They're constantly having to update, repaint, things like that. And over here, we've got a scare turn. Look at that cleverly placed mirror. So again, you think like it's just him. There's definitely no chance there's going to be another scare turn right here on the other side, which there 100% will be. All of the... Um, 
all of the costumes down here were uh, also made again with the glowing ability to have all that black light that's going to show on them. It's a really, really cool. Uh, actually, they've got, uh, you know, the man who made it, he's a super, super fun guy. We followed him through all of our mushrooms here. I love these particular, again, it's a. Just love it. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, this is, again, and they just absolutely love all the back of it. The bioluminescence weren't coming through. And uh, they actually have mushrooms like this in New Zealand, so our design department studied them, making sure that they could find out all the information that people use it. We try and even though we like to make original ideas and come up with fun, crazy, outlandish uh, houses, we also try and base a little bit in actual reality as well, especially if there's awesome things like this that exist in the world already. Why not take that and use it, make it so that that is a form of how they could actually survive the further they got down in the actual depths of our earth. And that's why we call it descendants, is another play on words of destruction, because they are just doing nothing but destruction after the world and everyone in it goes a little crazy. <laughs> So that is the look at HHN Descendants of Destruction and Blumhouse. Uh, the next Unmasking the Horror Tour we will do, we will be diving into uh, Hellblock Horror and Spirits of the Coven. Other Unmasking the Horror shows that we have, uh, Halloween. Um, along with Bugs Eaten Alive, Universal Monsters, we're looking at that maze, we're looking at, uh, you know, Chupacabra and Dead Man's Pier, looking at a lot of different ones, but, and, you know, again, cannot recommend the Unmasking Tour enough as it really does give you a really cool insight into the different mazes. So, stay tuned for more haunt content. We'll be back um, with these as well. And, yeah, man, stay spooky, everybody.